Welcome to the Impact Multiplier CEO Podcast. If you're a chief executive or if you think like one and you want to create exponentially greater impact, then this show is for you. My name is Richard Medcalf, founder of Xquadrant. I coach some of the most successful and impressive CEOs and executive teams on the planet and help them achieve even more extraordinary results. Because no matter how successful you've been in the past, there's always a whole new level of impact available to you. So, if you're ready to play a bigger game than ever before, I invite you to join us and become an Impact Multiplier CEO. Welcome back. It's Davina Stanley here with Richard Metcalf again to bring you more ideas from Richard's new book, Making Time for Strategy. Hi, Richard. How are you today? Dav, good, good morning to you. Yeah, I'm really well and uh, looking forward to uh, to talk about uh, environment, which is a whole topic, a whole big topic, uh, but we can perhaps scratch the surface a bit today. No, absolutely. And it's all, it goes beyond looking at your own personal activities, doesn't it, to really looking at it, taking a bit of a systemic approach to what's around you, which I think is really, really wonderful. And so perhaps it might help people to understand um, what are you thinking about when you talk about environment? We've talked about tactics. We've talked about influence. We've talked about mindset. Now environment. What What is environment? Yeah. So, so in the book, um, which you know, it's all about making time for strategy. And we've looked at these different areas, um, tactics, influence, mindset, and we've covered those in previous uh, episodes. But I was really clear when I wrote the book, I wanted it for lead, to be for leaders. And... Uh, leaders have twofold responsibility. They do really importantly need to manage their own personal focus, elevate their focus, elevate their leadership. It's super important. Uh, we don't get to the next level without reinventing a bit who we are. But, or oh, and there is also another dimension for leaders. And that dimension is uh, my organization. Right? How do I create a culture where people are making time in their own ways for What's strategic for them? Now, not everybody is going to be working on the company strategy. Of course not. But you're going to have your executive team working on uh, their departmental strategies. You're going to have team leaders needing to think about what's the noise in, in what we're doing and what's going to move the needle. And so I think it's really helpful to start to create a culture where everybody is thinking about how do we get out of the the day-to-day uh, and make some time to up level. And that's really what environment is about. There's really two elements. Um, one is the wider context, um, well, it, it, it's the wider context in which you work. And so one is your immediate environment. So on a personal level, the way that you set up your environment does matter, right? So are you being distracted by notifications? Uh, do you have, um, uh, you know, yeah, are you managing your digital devices? Is your office set up in a way that allows you to focus? And we deal with some of that in the environment section, but also in other parts of the book in the tactical area. But the area here perhaps we can focus on today is that um, corporate environment, right? Creating that environment of strategic thinking and focus for the wider team. And that's really the big challenge for today. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's beautiful. And it's it's quite a big task. And quite hard to do because culture can be quite hard to get your fingers on. 
can't it? Mm. So do you have some stories or anything to help us get a real tangible sense of, of what you're going for here? Yeah. So often, you know, people try to take a tactical fix um, to culture. It doesn't tend to work. Um, it's important to take what I call a systemic approach, right? So we need to really figure on, you know, what really needs to shift that suddenly makes it easy to do the new behaviors. There's a story that I, I talk about in the book. Um, can't be sure it's true, but uh, I think the, the, um, um, but the message is, is still really clear. And it was about Howard Schultz, the founder of um, Starbucks. And the, so the story goes, he turned up at one of his, uh, one of the branches, one of the franchises, and um, one of the bulbs had gone in the Starbucks logo. Um, so it was saying Starbucks or, or something. And obviously not a great first impression um, uh, from the franchise owner. And now what did he do, right? And now he could have, he could have, shouted and got angry. This is not respecting our brand. This is terrible, etc. right? He could have like literally said, get me a ladder. I'm going to fix it myself and really made the example, led by example. Um, you know, he could have got everybody together and taught them something, whatever. What he did is he picked up his phone apparently and called his operations manager and says, you know, hey, Fred, um, um, what's that process for blown bulbs? And the point here is he saw an issue, which was, okay, well, I don't want to fix it here and now in this one instance. I want to fix it everywhere, all the time, forever. I want to solve this so it never happens again. So he goes towards the process. And I think that's just a great example of taking a systemic approach. You fix it once. And fix it all the time. And if Fred didn't have a process, it's like, okay, we need one. And if you did have a process, terrific, tell Mary over there what it is so she can actually fix it at this site, you know, or implement yeah. it for this site or something. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And so, so the, the relevance to this when it comes to making time for strategy is, um, you know, is your culture and your systems and your processes, are they working for you when it comes to making time for strategy or are they working against you? Can't keep count of the number of leaders who have said to me, you know what, I love all this stuff, but my organization, we're addicted to firefighting. We love kind of this culture of dropping everything to deal with customer issues. Um, yes. One company, I believe it was HubSpot, they, they had a, um, they had a, a, a principle called the 72 hour rule. If we're being asked, if, if we have to ask a colleague for something, unexpected with less than 72 hours turnaround time, then we have a broken business process. Oh. And I love that example because it's a real trigger. It's to say, you know what, if I am asking for things urgently from you, then actually I'm interrupting your focus. I'm distracting you. And we, we haven't built out a process which allows us to do this as part of the daily course of business. So what's going on here? And I think as a leader, we have to take a hard look at our organizations, say, are we, are we rewarding focused um, problem solving on the, the root issues? Or are we actually rewarding just people kind of like ducking and diving and firefighting? I would say, don't be the firefighter, be a fire prevention officer. That's the leader's role. And yet many leaders, again, 
perhaps they've risen up through the ranks by being a great firefighter. So almost, yeah. if you're a good firefighter, well, you want more fires in one way, right? But actually, if you have somebody who is a firefighter, it's like it's a nightmare. The house is burning down. Everything's at risk. Firefighting's a terrible thing. But it kind of and, make it sound heroic. And your people live on coffee and chocolate and, you know, just burn out so quickly, don't they? Because everything has to be now, 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 now. There's... There's no no time for thinking. I was thinking about your, your point there about the 72-hour rule is a beautiful example of something very simple too, mm. which you can identify to help put the flag in the system. And that's a bit of an art too, getting them to be really simple. I, I like that, being, being that, that simple. I think that's, yeah. that's super. So yeah. when you do go to get people to shift their culture, and you do want to make that change in a particular way. You've got a wonderful framework. It's impact, which is what your business is, is all about. It's all mm. about impact. That's another one of your acronyms that I love because it, it is not only memorable, but it actually synonymizes what you're all on about. Tell us about this framework, about the impact framework. Hi, this is Richard. I hope you're enjoying this conversation. This is just a quick interlude to tell you about my book, Making Time for Strategy, which is being released in January 2023. It deals with perhaps the number one challenge I've come across in my coaching work with top executives, how to get out of the weeds of operations and make time for the high impact strategic work that will lead to breakthrough results. If you're serious about multiplying your impact, you do need to elevate your use of time. So I highly recommend that you head over to makingtimeforstrategy.com where you can find out more about the book and download some free chapters. Now, back to the conversation. Yeah, so the impact framework is trying to help you focus in on what actually matters right now because when you want to change culture, it's culture change is complicated. It doesn't happen overnight. You have to really think about it what you're trying to do is change people's behaviors. So often when people think about culture change, the first thing they do actually is they come up with a Gantt chart of a big process that they want to implement, initiatives to launch. Some of that can be valuable, but the question is, are we actually changing people's way of thinking, uh, way of operating? And we know all the failed diets, exercise regimes, everything else, we know that behavior change is tough. We work in certain ways. So... Uh, the impact framework works individually. You can use it on yourself. You want to build a new habit, but you can also look at when you want to look at your organization and build new habits there, which is why I introduce it in this part of the book. So there's six barriers, if you like, they spell out the word impact. And each of these barriers is something which could stop the process in its tracks. So we'll look at them. So first of all, insight. Need to, people need to know what they need to change, right? What, what do they want to do differently? What is leveling up? Now, I talk about various ways to do that, but a lot of that is around language. You need to start to introduce language into your organization and have the discussion. Why is strategic time the number one key performance indicator that's going to determine our future success? We talked about that in a, few, in a previous episode. Um, you know, what is the infinity trap? Um, how how is it impacting us all? What are we not getting to as an organization that is keeping us on the hamster wheel and not creating breakthrough results? So 
the eye for impact is all about creating, having those discussions and getting the ahas. Ah, oh, yeah, we need to focus on this. The M is for motivation because getting the insight is one thing, but then are we really motivated to work on this? Does it really matter? What's in it for us? Um, again, often we kind of tell people they need to do this because, you know, of results, for example, might not actually motivate them as much as, well, how's it going to free you up? What's going to be more interesting if you get to do this? Again, it's, you might be taking people out of their comfort zone. So motivation might be a bit mitigated. Oh, I'm not sure I can do this thing I'm being asked for. Uh, I quite enjoy doing these things. I'm good at them. Do I want to go there? So then the next question is actually mining motivation. And we talk about various ways of doing that, but it's actually really helping people understand uh, what's in it for them intrinsically, what how they're going to feel as a result of this, um, what's going to become possible if they do this. And so motivation's the next area. Now, once you've got insight and motivation nailed, then there tends to be like, okay, let's do something about it. And then you, you, we move into the next part of the framework. So you've got the prompt, it's the P of impact. Uh, prompt is very simply, when exactly am I meant to do this behavior that I say I'm going to do? So if you say, you know what, we want to create, we want to have a, an hour a week where we all strategize or work on our top project, for example, or the, the thing which is not the short-term emergency, the thing we really want to build uh, coming in the coming uh, weeks. Now, many you could say, well, I'll just let people figure out when they want to do that in their week. That's being flexible and uh, agile manager. Perhaps, but perhaps that's what you're already doing and it's not working. So in the spirit of doing something differently, why not, um, why not come up with a, a, a cultural norm. Hey, Monday mornings at nine o'clock, we don't do any calls with anybody. If, they, if somebody wants to talk to you, they can have a conversation with me, your manager, and I'll, I'll keep you safe, right? Whatever. But this is our time as a team. Monday's at nine o'clock. We're all doing our strategic time. And then at our 10 o'clock meeting, we all quickly check back in with each other and say how it went. What did we learn? What went well? Did we get distracted? Let's help each other do that one hour of strategic time and get the benefit. Knowing that if you can probably seed one hour in your week, they'll probably get the idea and want to do more of it. So that's, that's, that's the prompt. Like, okay, 9am goes off, you know, or it's um, the prompt, you know, might be individually you know, after our team meeting or, or whatever it is, but you come up with a, a shared prompt. So you've got insight, motivation, your prompt. And then it's around ability, right? Ability is, can I actually do it? In other words, do I have the resources? Do I have the ability, the skills? Is there anything I need to learn? Um, do I know what I'm going to do when I have that time, for example, available? Do I know exactly what I'm going to focus on? Um, I coached with a client of a senior leader last week, and we addressed that very question. You know what? Um, I'm not quite sure I'm using my time properly. You know, when I've got strategic time carved out. I don't really know what to do with it. I get there and I'm like, mm, I'm not sure. So I said, okay, five minutes, go, brainstorm questions that you want to answer right now in your business. Started writing. I checked back in in five minutes. I said, do you want to speak? No, 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 I'm in the zone. Give me another five minutes. So I gave him another five minutes and he ended up writing out his top 15 questions how is the market shifting right now? Um, 
what are our competitors working on? Um, I don't know what the questions were, but these kind of things, right? Bigger questions that he wants to focus on. Um, what would be one way to upgrade our product? Boom, right? So these become then the questions so that when you've got that half an hour spare, you don't spend the half an hour thinking, scratching your head about what should I think about. You pull out one of your list, your questions and, and you think about it or you work on it. Uh, so ability is around really be, being clear when you have that moment, you know what to do, how to do it. And you don't overcommit. If we overcommit on time, if we could try and carve out three hours in our day, perhaps we should carve out 15 minutes so that we can actually do it. And then we can do more if, we, if we've got time. But it's better to get everybody doing 15 minutes regularly than trying to do an hour and failing regularly. Yes, yes. No, that just small amount of success to get some momentum happening. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Okay. So um, giving people the ability and the different things around that to make that happen. Consequences. So you're yeah. not all positive. You, you've, got some, you've got some carrot and some stick. Yeah, well, consequences is, is again, it, it kind of relates back to, it could be carrot and stick, but it's actually about, like, let's just double check. Does this really matter? Now we've really defined what it is. What are we expecting if we do this? What are we actually expecting? What are we expecting would happen if we don't do this? Does it really matter? Because if we if we look at it and go, you know what, no one's really no one's really going to notice this. It's not really going to have any consequence outside. Then perhaps we haven't got the quite the behaviour quite right. Yeah. So an example would be, um, let's say you come up with, you know what, I just need to spend time reading about my industry so I can become more strategic. Well, it sounds like a good idea. If you're not spending any time looking at industry trends, it's a pretty good idea to do that. But that by itself doesn't generate necessarily consequences. For example, now you could argue, yeah, if I do this, then I'll be able to do other things, but it doesn't necessarily give you quite the sense of I really must do this. Whereas if you said, you know what, I want to be able to like uh, present to on the to a, to my board on the strategic pivots that we need to make over the next five years then suddenly that reading is serving a purpose. I'm now reading in order to understand what the pivots are going to be for that so I can nail my board presentation. So suddenly you've sharpened up the consequences. Uh, yeah. I've got a board presentation now, right? And, um, and therefore I'm focusing on that. So the consequences really is, does it matter? Is it going to actually move the needle, this behavior that I'm trying to build? And, um, and finally, timeline. Again, we might have all sorts of behaviors we're in, we see we need to do them, we're motivated to them, but I ah, will do it next quarter. We're a bit busy right now. It's not the moment. Timeline speaks to the question is, do we want to do it now? Are we starting today? Or are we not that convinced and we want to delay it? And so getting clear, when, do we, when is this done by, right? When do we actually want to look back and say, we've done this, we've implemented this behavior, we've made this thing happen. And that kind of really forces you to kind of get practical. So the impact framework is really simple. Insight, motivation, prompt, ability, consequences, timeline. And you just look at which, like, do I have insight? Yes. Motivation? Yes. Prompt. And you just go through the list until you start to feel a bit wobbly. And then you focus there. And in the book, what I really talk about is what are the conversations to have with your team at each of those stages? Because this is not you just imposing things coming down from the mountain with what your team needs to do. It's about creating the insight moments, 
creating the shared sense of ownership by having the discussions with your team. Yes, beautiful, beautiful. And and really tightening it so you do deliver impact around the things that do really matter, of course, being the key thing. So the um, Starbucks story, the 72-hour rule and impact, I think are three really, really helpful strategies there. And um, do you want to add anything else about environment or does that give people enough of a snapshot, do you think, to, to tie it all together? Yeah, I mean, environment is a, you know, it's a huge issue, right? Changing culture, uh, changing the way your team operates. And in some ways, you know, you could, you could write a whole book about that. There are other books on change management and all the things else. But what I try to do here is to give a few ideas around how do you start to move forward with the conversations um, within your team to create that systemic change. You just want a, a couple of things to change. If you were to move, if to implement those behaviors, it would change everything. So just if your team actually had a habit of coming back each week, talking about what their number one improvement project was, for example, just that activity would perhaps create a focus on it that you don't currently have. So these don't have to be huge, changing the whole way we work. It's often very simply a one degree shift because imagine a boat, if you make a one degree shift in your course, by the end of, by the, uh, by the time you've traveled over across the ocean, you're at a completely different port. Definitely. And so I'd be looking for a couple of those easy, but important shifts that once you couple of those is going to change the dynamic of the team. Yeah. Beautiful. Wonderful. Look, I think that's been really, really useful for people. So Perhaps we should pull this one to a close now and think about uh, next time we've got one more episode on this topic where you're going to bring a whole lot of things together around how to make time for strategy. So if people are interested in getting a bit more information about this book, go to makingtimeforstrategy.com and otherwise we look forward to coming back again very soon with some more ideas on this topic. So thanks so much, Richard. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Now let's talk about you. When you're in top leadership, when you're in the biggest role of your career, who supports you at a deep level as you lead others? Who helps you multiply your impact and get to the next level? If you're ready to learn more about our content, our coaching and our community, then visit us at xquadrant.com.